Hello, everyone, and welcome to the November 13th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles with WorkComp Academy. Let's get started with some news from the Court of Appeal. The City of Los Angeles won a case clarifying when payments must be made to the Death Without Dependents Unit this week. Jamie Foster, a city firefighter, was involved in a fatal accident. She was not married and had no children or other dependents at the time. The city began advancing death benefits to Foster's mother pursuant to the labor code that required payments to an estate if there are no dependents. The Death Without Dependents Unit also claimed death benefits under a labor code provision that requires that they be paid the benefits when there are no dependents. In 2006, the labor code was amended to correct this situation so that if benefits are paid to an estate, benefits would not also be paid to the DWD unit at the same time. Later in 2006, the labor code that provided for payments of death benefits to an estate was held to be unconstitutional in the case of Six Flags versus WCAB. By this time, the city had already paid over $104,000 in death benefits to the firefighter's estate. The workers' compensation judge then ordered the city to pay the DWD unit the $125,000 death benefit less credit for the $104,000 previously paid to the estate before the law had been held unconstitutional. The WCAB granted reconsideration of this award and ordered instead that the city pay the full $125,000 to the DWD unit without any credit for what they had already paid. The Court of Appeal, in a published opinion, annulled this award. They held that the payment made by the city to the estate would displace any obligation to the DWD unit of any kind. The Court of Appeal decided that no payment at all was due to the DWD unit by the city. In other news, for the second time in a year, Insurance Commissioner Poisner rejected a WCIRB proposal to raise rates for workers' compensation insurance by over 22%. Poisner also rejected a recommendation made by a hearing examiner from his department who had suggested a 15.4% increase instead. Poisner's decision is not binding, but it generally is followed by leading insurance companies. Poisner cited the weakness of California's economy and high unemployment as a reason for his decision. California's unemployment was 12.2% in September, the highest since World War II. The State Compensation Insurance Fund has filed for a 5% rate increase effective January 1. The new rate will apply to new and renewal policies. The announcement came less than a day after Commissioner Poisner rejected the 22.8% increase. State Fund's communication director said the timing of the announcement was purely a coincidence. State Fund claimed that inflation in the medical arena was a prime driver of its increase. As California braces for premium increases, other states have better news for employers. Texas Mutual Insurance Company will distribute about $1 million in dividends to nearly 2,600 first-year policyholders. 
In total, Texas Mutual's dividend payout for 2009 is $75 million. The dividends they have paid since 1999 are more than $670 million. These dividends are based largely on each policyholder's loss ratio. Policyholders who focus on preventing workplace accidents and helping injured workers get back on the job improve their chances of earning a dividend. About 38,000 business owners across the state, or 79% of the company's policyholders, earned a dividend this year. But not all insurance companies had such good news. Last year, Southeastern U.S. Insurance Company, or SEUS, boasted it was the eighth largest work comp insurer in Georgia. The company offered lower rates, in some cases much lower, than other workers' comp providers. That prompted many municipalities to drop existing coverage to sign on with SEUS. 53 cities and more than 200 companies turned to SEUS for workers' compensation coverage. Things looked fine until regulators discovered that SEUS CEO Clark Fain recently took out a $10 million loan without state authorization. Shortly after SEUS made this loan to their CEO, the company reported a $3 million loss. Rapidly deteriorating financial difficulties led to an administrative supervision order with the Georgia Department of Insurance in September. This was followed by SEUS being declared insolvent in October and an order that they be liquidated. All of SEUS customers will lose their coverage on November 26th due to this liquidation. Many cash-strapped cities have to make some tough choices to finance new coverage elsewhere. And here's our fraud report. Remember Armando Landa, the restaurant worker who was injured in 2007 while working in Ventura at Chicago for Ribs? He filed a workers' compensation claim following an alleged injury to his right elbow. While still off work and receiving TD benefits, Londa obtained employment as a busboy at Teppan's Steakhouse in Oxnard. At a deposition under oath, Londa denied working anywhere since the time of his industrial injury. This week, he was sentenced after pleading guilty to one count of felony workers' compensation fraud. He was ordered to serve 120 days in jail, placed on 60 months formal probation, and ordered to pay over $28,000 in restitution to InterCare Insurance Services. Additionally, Londa was ordered to pay $10,000 to the California Department of Insurance Fraud Division for investigative costs. And another fraud case in the news. In 2003, Jason Valley reported he had obtained a work-related injury in Reading when he fell while installing a stereo system. It appeared that Mr. Valley was not being completely honest about his knee injury. Surveillance was conducted and he was seen playing full-court basketball. During a deposition, he denied that he had played any basketball since his injury.
Mr. Valley was placed on felony probation for five years and ordered to serve 40 days in county jail or complete an equivalent work alternative program. As part of his terms and conditions of probation, he was ordered to pay restitution to the American Commercial Claims Administrator in the amount of $20,000. And in Salinas, Stephen Davis of Davis Chiropractic and David Polk, a retired human relations manager, are accused of conspiring to commit fraud against three injured workers. They are accused of covering up employee injuries to lower their workers' compensation costs. Polk faces seven counts of workers' compensation fraud, while Davis has been charged with eight counts. Each count carries a maximum penalty of five years in prison. They both pled not guilty to these charges. The next court appearance is set for November 19. We will keep you posted about the outcome of this new case. And there was some medical news this week. According to a new study from researchers at Purdue University, some nanotechnology holds promise for spine injuries. Injecting tiny polymer spheres into animals right after a spinal cord injury helped them recover movement and prevented secondary nerve damage that often follows such injuries. The experimental treatment uses spheres that fuse with injured nerve fibers and prevent an inflammation from doing more damage to surrounding nerve tissue. These spheres are roughly 100 times smaller than the diameter of a red blood cell. When the spheres are injected into the bloodstream, they make their way to the injury site and the polymer embeds itself into the damaged membrane. Animals treated with the spheres shortly after spine injuries regained control of all four limbs, while other animals did not. Toxicity tests suggest that the treatment is safe. In a few years, this technology may help make industrial spine injuries less costly. The State Fund and the UC Berkeley Center for Infectious Disease and Emergency Readiness scheduled a series of seminars on the topic of preparing for H1N1 and other infectious diseases. Attendees will learn how to prepare their organizations for the potential impact this flu season may have on their workforce. The seminars are free, open to the public, and are offered in many locations across the state now through mid-February. Visit the seminars page at www.scif.com to see when an event will be held in your area. The seminars are part of State Fund's employer education series offered on a variety of workers' compensation topics. And here's what's coming up next week. Wednesday, November 18th is the start of the 18th Annual National Workers' Compensation and Disability Conference and Expo in Chicago. More than 1,400 workers' compensation insurance and disability management professionals are expected to attend this three-day event. At the same time, the fourth annual workers' compensation in the Federal Workplace Conference will take place alongside the main conference. Information about these and other events can be found on our website by clicking the Work Comp Calendar tab on the top of our homepage. And that's all the news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, 
and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and specialty reports by using your iPhone or iPod by searching for WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. And remember, this is Friday the 13th, so please be careful out there. Again, I'm Renee Foles with WorkComp Academy. Thanks for joining us, and please visit us again next week for more news.